0: You pray with me? Father God, you are holy. You are set apart. You are unique. You're altogether good and gracious and kind uh, and wonderful and beautiful. And so this morning as your people, we come and gather and we worship uh, your good name. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us eyes to see this morning, help us to see and to behold your glory and Uh, your goodness. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity that we have to uh, be called your people, your sons and daughters. Thank you that you know everything about us uh, and you still love us. This morning, uh, we give you thanks. Uh, God, we commit this time to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, You may have a seat. Uh, Good morning, Christ Point. It's so good to see you this morning. If you are new to Christ Point, I want to welcome you. My name is James. I have the great joy and privilege of being the pastor of this local church body. Uh, I want to welcome you. Today is an exciting day at CP. We have a fall festival after the service. That's right. Who is more excited about the free food than they are about my message? Most of you answered correctly. Um, If you are new to Christ Point, I want to let you know that hopefully you received a connection card on your chair. There is a QR code in the bottom right hand corner. If you could pull out your phone and scan that QR code, let us know that you were here this morning. That's gonna take you to a website. Uh, it'll give you all the pertinent information that you need of what is taking place at CP in the days ahead. Uh, something that we are very excited about is on November the 14th, uh, we are gonna have a packing party here Sunday morning for Operation Christmas Child. We have 600 shoe boxes that we're assembling. Uh, We are so excited because each and every one of those shoeboxes represents a child somewhere around the world. And so not only is a young boy or a young girl uh, going to get gifts in a box, but they also are going to be given uh, the life transforming uh, good news of the gospel. And so we're praying that those boxes would go out and the people that receive them, that their hearts and lives uh, would be changed forever. And so circle your calendars uh, for the 14th of November. That is going to be our service And so the service is going to look a a little differently when you come in here. There'll be tables set up, and there'll be goodies to pack those shoeboxes. We'll pray for them together, and we will celebrate uh, the good work that God is going to do. So don't miss it. Uh, Invite a friend. A ton of work has gone on to prepare us for that event, and we're super excited for the 14th uh, to come. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn in them to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we've been walking. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot. I forgot to dismiss the kids. You knew it, but I didn't know it, which is funny because I work here. Are you okay? Uh, If you are a kid here this morning and you would like to go to CP Kids, uh, head to the back. If you are super excited about hearing my message, you can stay. Kids, we will see you shortly. Oh, hey, one more thing, uh, kids, while you're leaving. I wanted to let you know, uh, when you leave this morning, uh, for those of you in the, in the barn or listening outside, um, one, of our, uh, one of our ushers, someone from our Impact team, will give you one of these little blue tokens. Uh, this token represents free lunch for you. And so uh, I know, I'm just as excited as you are. There's a couple different options. There's hot dogs, there's tacos outside. Uh, when you go to get lunch, just hand them this ticket and you'll get a free lunch, okay, which is cool. Don't take seven or eight tickets if you're just one person. We'll find out about it. We have ways, okay? So make sure you grab one of these as you leave this morning. I'm sorry that I forgot that. So uh, I'm going to pray uh, for us again, if I could do that, um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray for you. And so would you bow in prayer as we open up God's word? Um, I always say this, you know you better than I know you, and so wherever you are this morning, just take a moment and pray uh, to a God who hears and listens and ask God to open your eyes and help you to receive what he has for you this morning. Would you do that now? And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me that God's spirit would uh, speak uh, clearly and powerfully uh, this morning so that you would be pointed uh, to Jesus? God, would you be so kind to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, your word this morning? Thank you for the promise that we find in your word that when it goes out, it doesn't return void. And so we cling to that this morning. I certainly do. I ask that you would accomplish whatever uh, you see fit. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Um, Have you ever found yourself in a place where you didn't belong? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you didn't belong? Uh, The day was Sunday, September the 14th, the year was 2014, and I made my way uh, to watch a Carolina Panthers football game. Uh, They just so happened to be playing the Detroit Lions. Uh, There are Lions fans from far and wide that had gathered upon Charlotte, North Carolina, on that particular Sunday, all six of them. Uh, to cheer on the Honolulu blue and silver. I'm a Lions fan. I'm a diehard Lions fan. I always have been. I I wish God would change my heart in this particular area. They've been a little disappointing for the last 60 or 70 years. Uh, But I'm still a fan. But it didn't take long for me to realize when I walked in the stadium that, um, that I was one of the few people who were rooting for the Lions. Honestly, I think there just was a handful of us both teams uh, were undefeated. They were 1 0. It was the second week of, of the season. And I felt, quite honestly, like a fish out of water. Um, I won't repeat to you the things that the Carolina Panthers fans said about my beloved Lions because it is Sunday morning and it would be inappropriate. But I can tell you that they were not kind with their words. Not kind with their words. I left the stadium after. Uh, That loss, which was not shocking, um, thinking to myself, I I don't know if I belong here. Do you ever have a feeling uh, in your heart and in your life where you were somewhere where you didn't belong? One day, Jesus was speaking to a crowd on a mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and there were a whole bunch of people there that I suspect felt like they were in a world where they didn't belong. There was a foreign government that was ruling over them. Uh, there, there was a way of life within that community and world where the, the ethic of the day was vastly different uh, from people who followed Yahweh or who were interested in the teachings of Jesus. Jesus spoke to a people who were experiencing an increasing amount of persecution. And I have to believe that many people who heard the words of Jesus that day felt like they didn't belong. Uh, so how do you respond when uh, you feel like you are in a world where uh, other people don't see things the way that you see them? Uh, how do you respond when you realize that you are in a world where you are very much uh, the minority in following after and chasing after Jesus? How do you, how do you live? Uh, we can respond a couple different ways. Uh, on one hand, we can assimilate with the culture around us. Uh, We can kind of look at the world out there and we can be like them. And, And quite honestly, sometimes that feels easier. It feels easier to go with the flow. It feels easier to just sort of drift along in life. It feels easier not to be the lone voice crying out saying, there's another way. It's easier just to assimilate with the culture and the world around you. A second response that we can have is not to assimilate, but simply to pull back, uh, to look at the world and think, that's all bad, I don't want to be a part of it. And so we simply find a handful of people that think the way that we do and talk the way that we do and operate the way that we do, and we create, in essence, a little holy huddle that's safe uh, from the the world out there. We can assimilate. uh, We we can pull back. But Jesus uh, gives his followers a different way. It's a way that I want to encourage you uh, to walk in uh, this morning. it's, It's not a way where we become like the world. It's not a way where we remove ourselves from the world. Instead, it's a way for us to push in and change the world. And I want to encourage us this morning to push in and change the world around us. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 to those who were listening that day, You, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. Jesus says to His followers, you are the salt of the earth, of the world. This is a statement of fact. He is not telling these people, this is how I want you to act. Although he does, he is telling them, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are a salt. It's a statement of fact. It's not a command. The well, question then becomes, well, what does that mean? Like, What does it mean to be salt? There are two things primarily that salt was used for during that day. It was used as a preservative, and it was used as an additive. It was used to preserve a meat or food. It was used to season the food that people ate. Um, salt preserves. 2,000 years ago, people did not go to Trader Joe's and buy a bunch of meat and go home and put most of it in their kitchen and some of it in the freezer in the garage. Like that, that was not an option for people. And so what they wanted to do is to prevent the meat uh, from going bad. And so they would pack it with salt. A dear friend of mine told a story of what happened to him uh, when he was in in, uh, college. He had left for uh, a long extended vacation of three weeks, and they had their refrigerator full of stuff, right? They had a refrigerator uh, full of meat. And when they left, there was a storm. It took out power, and it shut off uh, the refrigerator and freezer. And when the electricity kicked back on, uh, the refrigerator did not kick back on. And so the meat just sat there day after day after day. Eventually, the meat thawed. Uh, the meat went bad and the meat, uh, it stunk, right? And, and, and that smell that was in the freezer permeated the whole house. You can imagine what it was like for a college kid uh, to come back to campus and have that smell greeting him. Right? Jesus is telling his followers, um, I want you to be salt. You are salt. I want you to preserve um, the culture around you. I don't, I don't want you to pull back and ignore the culture. Uh, I don't want you to become like the culture. I want you to move into the culture and preserve it. Culture, uh, left unrestrained, does not gravitate toward goodness and godliness. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. This has been the case since the beginning of time. Right? This, is, this is not new. Maybe you're here this morning and you remember that 70s Beatles song when they sang You've Got to Admit it's getting better, it's getting better all the time. Remember that one? It's not. Not getting better all the time. The same headlines that you read about in the paper or that you hear in the news, are the same headlines that catch your attention when you're at the supermarket and you're checking out on the magazine covers, like those same stories that we're hearing about today in many ways have been being told for thousands of years. You read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament and there's things that you read where you go, ooh, that's not good. We, we live in that world, in that fallen, and that broken world. And so it's this world that we live in that Jesus says to his followers, I want you to, to press in to move into the culture and I want you to be uh, used as a preservative. Right? It should be good news, Christian um, for you to be at school, it should be good news for fellow students around you and for staff and for teachers if you're a follower of Jesus and if you attend a particular school or institution. You, your presence should be good news for your neighbors. Like Your neighbors should go, I'm, I'm so grateful that they live next door to me. Right? They, they notice me, they love me, they chase after me. It should be good news when you go to work on a Monday morning uh, and, and you work for a boss, or you work alongside other employees, and you're a follower of Jesus. Uh, your, your presence should be used by God to preserve uh, the culture around you. Historically, um, the church, at her best, um, functions like this. The church certainly has some blemishes in her history. Right? We know about them. You You study the history of the church, and there's times where you go, ooh, like, that, that's not good. Right? But, but there are other times when the church showed up and they had a reputation for caring for the marginalized, for starting hospitals and schools. The church was a compelling force for good in the culture. It helped preserve um, the world around them. Jesus is saying to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. You are to preserve uh, the world around you. Salt not only preserves, but it seasons." It makes food taste better. How many people here have ever had a meal that their mother cooked, and the first thing you thought was, I think that needs a little salt? Show of hands. Put your hands down. That was a trick. Don't admit that in front of people. Your mother's cooking was perfect. It was perfect. Or not. Occasionally, maybe, maybe there was a, a rough day that mom had and and she made some mashed potatoes and you thought to yourself, Is Needs a little salt. Salt made food taste better. Right? An appropriate amount of salt. We actually had uh, an elder retreat uh, this weekend. We went away for a day, and we, we gave God thanks for what he's done this last year. We, we dreamed and prayed together about what God would do in 2022. 20, uh, and uh, one of the elders, I'm not going to mention who, who it was. His name rhymes with pill, uh, was saying that one time... Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, Phil. Uh, one time he was helping uh, make make something at home and, and he was putting some ingredients in to help out and instead of putting in uh, a quarter teaspoon or a quarter tablespoon of salt, he put a quarter cup. Shame on you. Shame on you. Not helpful. Not helpful. But, but typically, salt actually is a good thing. It's a good thing. It helps food taste better. Jesus is telling the crowd, you are the salt of the earth. Your, your life is to season um, the world around you. Right? Again, it is to be a good thing for, for the world, for your community, for your relationships, if you're a Jesus follower, if you know and love Christ, because you're to bring seasoning uh, into your sphere of influence. Uh, what's interesting is Jesus also uh, couples those words with a warning uh, to his disciples to his followers to the crowd he says you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall uh, how shall its saltiness be restored it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet a salt can be uh, become contaminated by mixing with impurities desalted salt is unfit even for the compost heap says author david turk he wrote that, when, uh, that what was popularly called salt was in fact a white powder perhaps found around the Dead Sea. There's a picture this morning that you can look at. If you've ever been there before, there's this powder that collects on the, the shore. Uh, he says that while containing sodium chloride, uh, salt also contained much else since in those days there were no refineries. Of this dust, the sodium chloride was probably the most soluble component and so the most easily washed out, the residue of white powder still looked like salt and was doubtless still called salt, but it neither tasted nor acted like salt. It was just road to dust. And Jesus is saying to his followers, like, don't, don't just be road dust. Like, be, be seasoning to a culture. Salt preserves and salt seasons and you. You. Christian, follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. So Jesus says to us, those who follow Christ, be who you are. How tragic would it be for you not to be who you are? How tragic would that be? You know, this week I was, I was thinking about this, and believe it or not, um, Henry came to mind. Henry was, was part of our worship team this morning, and I asked Henry if I could use him as an illustration this morning. And I don't know why, but he agreed. And so Henry, come up, come up here. I want you, to, Henry, I want you to camp out over here by this microphone. You should feel at home here. And grab your guitar with your Clemson, whatever, like two and four or something like that, whatever. They lost yesterday, didn't they? They did. Again, that, they, they had lost before. A couple times, a few times. I'm sorry to hear that. I like Michigan. They're undefeated. Yeah, go blue. Um, when, I, when I think of Henry, I oftentimes think of Henry here. There, there's more to Henry than this, I assure you. But, but Henry has a, has a gift that has been given to him by God, and he's nurtured it uh, through the years. Right? So when I, when I think of Henry, this is oftentimes the picture that comes to mind. Henry with his guitar, with his Clemson guitar strap. I think of Henry with a microphone using the voice that God has given to him, right, to bring glory to God, to use his, his talent, his gift and ability in such a way that people would go, man, isn't God good? Right, that, that's what I think about when I think of Henry, but, but I had this, this picture in my mind of like how silly would it be if I saw Henry and, and Henry, here, I they're tight. They're they're Amelia. She's nine. Okay, step away from the microphone. Now, I just had. I mean, I just had this picture. Like, if if I saw Henry. This would be funny if he was dressed like. But but if I saw Henry like this, with with tape over his mouth, so he could not use the voice that God had given to him, with mittens on his hands so he could not play the guitar that he can play. I I would think to to myself that that is unfortunate. I would think to myself, Henry, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? God's given you a voice, use it. He's given you ability to play the guitar, like, use it. How foolish would it be if he closed his mouth and he put away his guitar and he said, no. Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. Be salt. How foolish would it be as representatives of Jesus here on earth to not be who you are. So be who you are. Christ's point, let me ask you a question. How are you doing? Oh, you, I'm, I'm sorry. This has got to be awkward. I'm, you want to take that off? How, how, how crazy um, would, it, would it be To know that God has created you and made you um, to be something in this world and to make, oh, thank you. I don't need it. Thank you. Thank thank you, though. That was kind. How crazy would it be to know that God gifted you and equipped you and made you to be something in this world and for you to step back and go, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to function like that. I'm not going to be salt. I'm not going to be a preservative in the culture. I'm not going to season the world around me. That would be nuts. Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. He continues in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. I mean, think about this. Jesus is the one who said that he is the light of the world. Right? He like he went into Jerusalem. He went to the city lit by torches, like the place that people could see from a long distance away, and Jesus says, "I am the light of the world." But here, Jesus is speaking to his followers, to his disciples, and he is saying to them, "You are the light of the world." How powerful is that? What do we know about light? Uh, on one hand, light is seen. Light is seen. Jesus says you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Right? Light is seen as a follower of Jesus. Your life is to be noticed by the world around you. I've read through the Bible and I can't remember a time where Jesus gathered his disciples and said to them, can you guys keep a secret? He does not. He does not want your life uh, to be I know it's easy sometimes for us to go, well, like culturally, I don't, I don't like having uncomfortable conversations. I don't want things to be weird with, with my neighbors or with my colleagues or with my friends. Like I'm, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a private person. I don't like talking about matters of faith. But listen, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, Jesus uh, trumps culture every time. Jesus trumps culture every time. Jesus trumps your personal preferences and whether or not you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. All of the time, right? So, so we don't have the excuse as followers of Jesus of going, you know what? I'm just going to sort of keep this thing to myself. How unfortunate would it be to get to the end of your life and think to yourself, you know, I don't, I don't know if anyone knows where I stand with Christ. I think I've managed to navigate my way through life and not say a thing to anyone. And that, that is not, that is not what God has called us to he says to his followers, you are light, and light is, is seen. Light is seen. It is to be uh, noticed. I have three children, and um, oftentimes in the morning when they're getting ready for school, or when, let me, oftentimes in the morning when they're supposed to be getting ready, for school, but they're still sleeping, um, I will come and pay a visit um, to, their room. And I will uh, kindly remind them that it's time for them to get up and to get moving. And the way that I do that is I simply turn on the light switch. Like I I turn on the light. Now listen, I don't believe in vampires. I don't believe in vampires. But watching their response in the morning when I turn on the light, like it's made me question it uh, a time or two. Right? Because, because l- l- light is seen. It's like you can't hide it. Like, there it is. There's light. Jesus is saying to his followers, you are the light of the world. Light is seen and light shines. It, it penetrates and moves in to the dark. This is ju- it's just what light does. It can't help but not do those things. Light shines. Uh, my nine-year-old daughter, Amelia, she's, if you know her, she's a pretty quiet girl, pretty quiet girl. She's, you know, she's been alive for nine years now, and I think she's spoken to about 40% of her family. Um, she, she's, pretty, you know, she's pretty reserved most of the time, unless you kind of get her to open up. And so I was a little concerned uh, a year ago when I found out that she wanted to do dance. Um, because you know, when you do dance, you have to perform in front of a, a watching audience. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to go well when it's showtime. And so I, I remember Melissa's like, hey, we need to go to her recital, and it's, you know, it's gonna be seven and a half hours long. And and Amelia's gonna, she's she's gonna, gonna dance. And I'm like, oh, this this will be interesting. And I'm not joking, like I prayed, like, Lord, just help her like get out from behind the black curtain. I'm like, that that would be that would be a win. But I'm looking at the program and I'm noticing one of her dances is just done with one other little girl. And I'm thinking to myself, that poor other girl is going to have to do a solo, like because Amelia's not going to come out, so I'm sitting there with with Melissa, and' I'm, you know I'm checking things off in my mind as we go through the program, and finally it's amelia's turn and and I look and I'm like, yeah, she's up and, and Amelia and this other little girl are in the, in the back of this this room where this church meets, and um, they start walking toward the front, walking toward the stage, and her dance instructor is in the back, and I hear her dance instructor shout out like uh, get it, girls. And I think to myself, like, get it, girl. Like, I don't know. I mean, Amelia's not going to do this. Like, good luck, other girl. But, like, I can't explain it. Like, I don't know what happened from the time that she was standing in the back of that room to the time that she got to the front. But it was like a light went on in her little heart. And she she saw the people and she saw the lights, and it was like showtime. And I was shocked. And when I, when I think about that, I can't help but think that God hasn't wired us and equipped us in such a way that we are to be a bright light in the world around us. We're, we're like God the Father is just going, like, get it. Be who you are. Be light. Light uh, is seen. Uh, Light shines. This is what God has called us to be as his people. And then there's, just like there was a warning when Jesus talked about the salt, there's this warning when he talks about light. You're the light of the world, verse 14. A city set on a hill uh, cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How foolish would it be to have light and to cover it? Like, why, like why would you do that? Why would you have light that could be seen by a watching world and cover it up so that nobody notices? It? It's like occasionally, unbeknownst to me, I'll have my cell phone out and I'll accidentally hit the flashlight on my phone and I'll put my phone back in my pocket and I'll walk around and I'll just go on living my life with my lit. Right? And, and occasionally I'll come across someone who loves me enough to go, hey, there's a light coming from... And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know. like that, That's not what the flashlight is used for. That's not what the light is used for. The, the light is used to be seen. So Jesus says to his followers, you are the light, and let your light be seen. Like don't, don't, don't hide it. What's crazy is sometimes when we think about lights, we think about big, bright light, like, like lights that will light up a stadium. But their perspective of a light 2,000 years ago was not, the same as our perspective. Like we think of light, like LED lights. and like, like for them, there was like a little candle. I mean, it was a small and almost seemingly insignificant light. But, but if you have a small and seemingly insignificant light and you light it in the darkness, it is seen by all. Uh, Some of you here this morning may think that your light is small and insignificant. You think to yourself, I'm not a big bright light for the world to see. I'm just a small, maybe seemingly insignificant light. And Jesus would say to you, no, no, you, you are the light of the world. Jesus spoke to people on the mountainside and he gave them a picture of what it looked like to be blessed in God's eyes. And it blew people away. Because it wasn't the powerful, it wasn't the influential, it was the seemingly insignificant that Jesus said, you are blessed. He told his followers, if you follow me, you will experience persecution. Things may not go well for you in the world. You may think to yourself, I do not belong here. I am a fish out of water. And he says to his disciples, he doesn't say to his disciples, I want you to assimilate. Life will be easier for you. He does not say to them, I want you to withdraw and hide. He says to them, I want you to move and to press into the world that God has made and I want you to make a difference for me. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus was praying for his disciples. He was praying for his followers. And this is what Jesus, the son of God, prayed for, for his followers and prayed for, for you. Listen to these words. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, uh, so I have sent them into the world. God is ascending God. And he's sending you, you followers, He's sending you into the world. And He's reminded you and He's told you that you are salt. You are salt. Preserve the world around you. Season the world around you. Live in such a way that it is a good thing that you are present. You are the light of the world. You are to be seen and you are to shine. Not so, by the way, so that you look spectacular, but so that God is glorified. Live your life in such a way that people look at you and go, man, God is good. That is the prayer um, that Jesus is praying here in John chapter 17. This is, is the, the message, the word that he gives to his followers. Don't assimilate with the culture. Don't pull back from the culture. Move into the culture and be who you are. You are salt and you are light. And so be salt and be light for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father God, my, my prayer for uh, your people this morning is that we would be who we are, who you've called us to be, that we would be salt and light, that we would be a people uh, who live our lives in such a way that we uh, show people your goodness, the beauty of your Son Jesus in your glory. God, my prayer this morning is that if there are folks here this morning who do not know and love Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would stir in their hearts and affection for You. Uh, Lord, Your Word teaches us that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that He came and lived a perfect life, that He died a sinner's death, He was buried, but He rose again, defeating death and offering life to those who trust in Him. And so I pray that 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 faith, that trust, that You would fill that faith and trust in our hearts this morning so that we would experience uh, the life that is ours. God, we love You. We thank You so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.